Welcome. This is Why Life Is. I'm Miles McFlower. Tonight we have a, a very interesting show. It has a long title to it, so uh, I'm going to try to say it in a fashion in which you can follow what I'm, what the title really is. So the title is The Process of Wormhole Construction and Use in the Next Century of Earth's Time, and then with deliberate restriction within the plant. So that's kind of like a sub-factor to it. And uh, I, before we start with this, I wanted to uh, add to last week's show, because one of the things, that, a concept that, that I skipped over, I just left it out, sorry about that, is that uh, we were talking about how <laughs> over a period of time, uh, in this case, 150 years, uh, we're going to see the eventual development of semi-conscious, uh, we'll call androids, robots, whatever you would like to, word you would prefer, and that I explained they would not reach uh, a consciousness greater than 5%. Now, what does that mean in terms of human thinking? And that's what I left out. 5% equals the average age for that level of thinking that we're talking about of a seven-year-old. So they would not be able to understand concepts beyond what a seven-year-old would be able to understand. And they wouldn't be able to construct thoughts about emotional issues or about fully mental issues on their own. They could only understand the, uh, we'll call it the physical part of life, including the etheric part. But beyond that, that's all they could express in their own thought process. Now, you might say, well, that what good is a what good is an android or a robot that just can only think like a seven-year-old? Well, they think like a seven-year-old with a super-advanced computer at their disposal. So you, you've got to put the join these two areas of thinking together to understand what I'm really saying. It isn't that they can't compute using neuronal networks to get to extremely complicated, we'll say, answers about some things. They just wouldn't be able to, say, be able to construct a concept that was any greater than that of what a seven-year-old person in our world could do. And they would not be able, therefore, to do much harm. Uh, part of this plan business is to prevent harm from taking place. And there are some ways that if someone did all the work for some for p people who were relatively dark, yeah, 150 years from now, if they did adhere to this plan, a lot of bad things could happen. But I don't think that will, by the way. So... And as far as the dark side, you'll hear about that today, and I'll explain some elements uh, that I couldn't include in last week's show anyway. And that's where, with deliberate restriction within the plan for today's show, comes in as far as the dark ones are concerned. 
Okay, so what is a wormhole? Uh, some people have seen science fiction shows mentioning the possibility of wormholes. Uh, but, you know, Einstein and his associates were the first people to suggest that wormholes should exist, can exist. And uh, he couldn't prove that they do at that time. And his theory of wormholes was related to the idea of what happens in certain types of space around stars that have become black holes and what happens when you go past the event horizon of a black hole, all that leads to eventually the concept of the potential to develop something called a wormhole. Now, what does a wormhole do? It allows you to travel, instead of through space, to travel through time. Now, uh, there are restrictions that are unknown today about the, how wormholes are formed. And those restrictions include within so, most solar systems that cannot uh, be formed. They're, they're, these restrictions apply to the physics of time space, but they also apply to the need to keep wormholes from uh, distorting the time space of a, a planetary system like ours. Now, there may be some types of planetary systems that are well different from ours. They have nothing to do with developing physical life in the world. And on those, in those areas, a, a wormhole could actually be inside a solar system. But that's a different story. What if you wanted to create a wormhole? Because <laughs> that's what tonight's show is. Construction, right? So... The answer to that particular question is not so easy because it's a physics question. But if you want to construct a, a wormhole, yeah, you need to have a complete understanding of time-space beyond just the etheric physical dimension, which is where we're in part of it. We're in the more physical part, of course. And we only understand a little bit about the four sub-part of it above us. And then beyond that, we know almost nothing. Now, if you have, once you gain an understanding of the etheric subworlds all the way to what is called the atomic level of the entire plane, you then recognize or can recognize the difference in the quantum constant. And it becomes obvious the quantum constant is, is different than what we have thought it to be. It's about two, a little less than 2.2 times greater than what we think it is. Now, when you reach that level, in order to construct a wormhole, you have to go three levels higher that are subplanes into the astral world to construct the most basic wormhole possible. When you get to that level, which then changes the uh, in a subway, changes the uh, time-space factor in, ter in terms of the rate, rate of quantum constant change, which means how fast things suddenly change, uh, to a level of a total of nine 
times greater. So we're talking about a ninefold increase in the quantum constant. Why is that so critical? Well, that particular number allows a, a person to literally go backwards uh, through a wormhole in time. And the time that they go back to, because the quantum constant that they are really functioning from is a different one than the time they're in when they come to, say, a place like Earth, because of the differential between what we'll call a quantum constant that we call one to nine, will result in those people being able to observe and even interact in a past part of time. That's like an Akashic experience, very similar to what is known as the Akashic experience in the astral world. And then there's another kind of even more and much different Akashic experience in the, in, in the mental world. Now, you're in this Akashic experience, but you can actually be present. You can actually be present in the physical world and then be having the experience of you changing things. That's an offshoot, or called an Akashic side, that is going on at the same time. And you can see the changes that take place, but those changes do not remain. The only thing that remains if you're interacting with people and things in the real physical world, real, okay, where the quantum constant is just one, the only thing that remains uh, is that which has consistency with the other people's experience of the quantum constant. And so they will then have some vague memory of your presence and maybe even an interaction. But it'll be so vague that it probably won't last very long. And so when you return to a future time, or as they move to a future time, they'll have an odd memory. They'll think that something happened that didn't, or they'll think that something that did happen couldn't have. And so those kinds of experiences are worldwide experiences for anybody who comes into contact with people who are going through this time-space change. It's going on fairly frequently because people from the future are visiting the past at various different levels. Now, they try to, because of this worrisome factor, they try to not have a lot of contact with people who are going to have a quantum constant anomaly in their memory system uh, because that's not good for them and it's not good for the future. It's not good for what is future of that time, which still might be the past to them, but it's a very confusing thing I'm saying to you. I'm sorry. So that's one way. You can use a wormhole. You could use a wormhole to really observe and to understand and even to, to more than postulate, you can create alternate paths. But if you're, if you're careful and you may not upset things too badly, but those paths will just disappear when you leave. Uh, if you create some significant change in people's memory, they will get confused and will swear that they remember it differently, but they'll just pretend, or pretend they'll, they'll make up that they, must be my memory's really weird, you know. But 
this goes on all the time, unfortunately. So some, if not most of the people I'm talking to right now, already know what I'm saying. Uh, because you've had some experience with this. But you may have made up excuses, and that's okay. I don't mind. And certainly the people that are involved in this activity don't mind it either. They don't want you to really remember that you had some alternate contact with some, someone from another time. So at any rate, so that's the most basic way to use a wormhole. But most wormholes, people think, would not last very long. But that's not true. If the wormhole is placed completely by design, they can last for a million years. It's not, a, it's not, it, it, the only reason it would seem that they wouldn't last long is because of what I just described, the complexity of time-space distortions through something going through the wormhole. But that wouldn't happen if you're careful and you know how to protect the the integrity of the wormhole by not using it and doing things with it that would be improper. And if you do screw up a wormhole, you can get stuck in the past. <laughs> so that would not be a good idea. But I can tell you that that almost never happens because they have wormholes, they being people in the future, have wormholes that are strategically placed in case one does happen to be harmed you can go to a different location that they have knowledge about. And uh, they have to travel some distance in outer space to get there. And then uh, they can then change back to the time space that they're familiar with through the other wormhole that they use. They can't just randomly create wormholes because there are such stringent conditions for the creation. And there are rules about where you can put them and why, etc. And I will mention the dark side. They use the inverse of what I'm talking about. I'm not allowed to explain how they do it. Just, just believe that they do it. And they're using effectively a wormhole of darkness. Wormholes are light but they use a dark scheme. And they can go anywhere they want in almost no time at all. And they can, in some respects, move through time. However, they're much more limited in their ability to use a wormhole for time travel. And the reason for it is that they only use the A-sphere, which has a time dilation of a maximum of three. It's not very much. And so it doesn't allow them much room to travel backwards in time and, and zero room to travel forward in time. So this is the interesting point about it. So their, their use of this is only to go from one dark place to another dark place. Well, okay, if they want to stay in the darkness, that's fine. But they can't do much from that position. They kind of trap themselves in a place where, <clears throat> excuse me, in a place where they can't uh, uh, accomplish a lot of what they would like to do, which is to enslave everybody. But they can't do that very well by using this tool because it wouldn't work for them. Now, getting back to the side of light here. Okay. If you want to go beyond what I just said, let's say you want to travel to the future. 
now that's from a relative point of what you call the present for yourself. So you think you're in the present, which is probably true, and you seek to go sometime into the future. Well, wormholes can be used for that purpose. The only problem you have is those kinds of wormholes have to reach to the atomic level of uh, of the astral world. And that's a real tough place to build, to create something for, because the time dilation is approximately 24 times. 24 times, and that's 24 times from, you know, from our place of being. So now you look at it and you say, holy cow, this is a really difficult factor because what takes place then, that, that would mean that if you want to go a year into the future, you, you'd have to go through a wormhole in your time perspective that would be such a short trip that you may just go right past. You may find it impossible to go that short of a time. As a matter of fact, probably the shortest time would be like about 24 years or more. To, to even come close to being able to to use it effectively for future travel. And it kind of, in many ways, it's a good thing, because the only beings that can do that are the beings who really are virtually super beings beyond or as high as most humans can get to. And can you can you do this? Yes, absolutely. And if you're beyond that, if you're a, a, like like at the level of some masters, you have some level of consciousness, significant consciousness in the intuitional world. It might be you might be able then to travel considerable amounts into the future, hundreds of years possible. But the the, the issue here is that in comparison between going into the past and going into the future, the future future travel is much more difficult. Now, for a lot of people who say, wait, wait a second, if you're in the past, aren't you going back to the future? No. <laughs> you're going back to the present. <laughs> I'm talking about leaving the point of entry of time and moving ahead in time. That's a different thing than just coming back from where you started. Okay. Totally different idea. All right. So, what what is a black hole? What and what? How does a black hole control the wormhole? What does it do that makes this sort of thing happen? And black holes uh, can be very far apart from each other and still support a wormhole because distance has almost very little to do with this. It's just placement that is the critical factor. You don't want to get too close to a black hole because you can enter its event horizon, which would shift you into other dimensions of time space, and uh, your return is not necessarily uh, going to be guaranteed. The And the other factor is that all the atoms in your physical body will be destroyed, and possibly your astral as well. So you would be curtailing a good part of your own existence in the process. The main factor that we're talking about in terms of trying to construct a wormhole is placement. 
if you're going to do it, you've got to do it far enough away from a black hole. And you have to be equal distance from a second black hole for it to work. Also, there are rarities where you can use three black holes, <laughs> if you can find them in the right locations. And those are the could make construct the very, very, very best wormhole possible. Extremely stable. You could go forward in time and backward in time a, immense amounts. And you would be relatively safe in your travels. Um, the And these exist, by the way. But the use of them is restricted by beings who are good beings, good, you know, not dark ones, and who don't want people to just fall into these things or go willy-nilly because the being who's going through it has an effect on it through it, their own consciousness. And they don't want people with the wrong kinds of consciousness to you know, say, oh, I think I'll take a trip today. I'll go through this super, super wormhole that's between these three black holes that will send me back to the dinosaurs so I can, you know, play around with them or something. I mean, and you could do that with that kind of black hole. I mean, with that kind of wormhole. But again, those are restricted and you wouldn't be allowed to enter. So it, it's, a, it's an important idea that wormholes are not open to all people and all types are not available to everybody. That's kind of like the idea of the whole system, in a sense. Why is it important for us to know about this now? Well, because uh, there are deliberate restrictions in the plan for people about this time, we're getting close to it within the next 10, 20 years, to start thinking about developing a wormhole and or finding one that they can use. And uh, this will only be valuable once we can get outside of our solar system. But, and we're going to have to be able to travel through space by either folding space, there's several different things that you've heard of, that several different ways you can go through space that are very fast. But regardless of the methodology, you've got to travel quite a ways from what we call Earth's solar system to, uh, to be able to create and or to use existing ones uh, of wormholes. Now, Right now, on Earth, I don't, other than the people who are listening to the show, I don't think most people know there are existing wormholes. They don't, they don't know about them. Uh, they don't know that they are constructed and actually used. I, I think they may believe that they could exist because they believe what Einstein said and everything else. But I think the more crucial element is that these are, these are now used all the time. It's just that we're not in the development period. We're, we're permitted to even know about it, much less, for sure know about it, much less travel to that to one of them and use it. Or even more so to create one for ourselves, which is pretty far away from where we are today. Now, what's going to happen in 100 years? I said that century. What's going to happen in Earth's time, a century from now, that will change all this? It's part of the plan. Well, it'll take about 100 years for us to be able to travel uh, to other stars, 
and to, to use one of the technologies that allows much faster than what we call light speed travel. Um, you don't really go faster than the speed of light. You fold space, or there's some other technologies that could be used. You've heard about warping space. You've heard of, that's in science fiction all over the place because Roddenberry writings about it. So, and then beyond that, there's other methodologies, which I kind of not allowed to talk about. So there are other technologies that might be even more convenient uh, for going certainly way beyond the speed of light. And, but all those are contingent upon some of this connection with understanding the plan about wormholes. And so it's all kind of tied together. So when you learn one process, the idea of creating a wormhole and or finding one to use will start becoming more realistic to people. Will it be something that will be like second nature, say 50 years from now? No, about 100. 100 years from now, probably taught to, to first graders, but not 50 years. Why not? Well, we're just not there yet. We, our consciousness doesn't have the capacity to truly understand these things except in terms of science fiction. What is science fiction? Science fiction is really the consciousness of some very imaginative people who don't fully understand what it is they're talking about. But what they're creating makes sense to them. And it is actually mostly true. So they create things that that are justifiably true. They just don't know how to really do it yet. Well, it's okay. I mean, there's lots of people that talked about all kinds of things throughout Earth's history that didn't know how to do it yet. You know, people talk about, oh, well, Galileo, he created an airplane. He didn't really create an airplane. He created something, a glider, that ended up crashing and only killing but, I mean, the point is that he didn't do that. He, he, he had the idea, which is a great idea. But how long did it take for something like that to really be developed? Well, hundreds of years later, we're talking about <laughs> So you can see that you can, uh, you can create things in your mind's eye, but you can't necessarily do it technologically or realistically because there are a number of factors that have to come together and one person usually doesn't have all of the ability to bring them all together in themselves. So you, they rely upon this invention and that, I, that idea and this, uh, this development. And, that. and they bring them together, and through a synthesis, they're, while they're physically alive, they are able to come up eventually with these great inventions and do these amazing things. And it's terrific. I have no question that this will continue to be the case in the future. What about this Earth destroying itself? People talk about that. Well, Earth is going to destroy itself because we got nuclear weapons and none of this other stuff. Well, it could happen, but chances are it won't. Why not? Well, because we've had nuclear weapons for a long time, but the fact of the matter is they scare everybody, even the most evil beings, uh, in their actual use to an unbelievable level. And fear is a good thing if you're talking about something that can kill millions of people or billions even. 
So you want to have a, a good sense of fear about that sort of thing. Why didn't we get rid of? Why doesn't the world get rid of it? Because evil wants to keep them around. And evil is always looking for some way to get some more evil than normal person to use it. So, I mean, this is not like, you know, like they don't have an agenda. They certainly do. But if they kill everybody, it doesn't solve their problem. So they don't, they wouldn't want to, they want to enslave people. They don't want to just kill people. It's a waste of energy for them. They don't want to waste any energy. So nuclear weapons are really more of a threat than a substantive method of control. You can't really control people with nuclear weapons because you have to destroy them. And then you don't have anything. So what's good with that? And then you're left with a lot of fallout and other terrible things that you have to contend with. So if you look at it from that standpoint, it's not the weapon of choice as far as evil is concerned. But it makes a lot of sense as far as producing fear in people. So from that point, it has some advantages. Okay, so we have an anomalous problem on Earth because evil is trying desperately to take over the planet. And it's trying to do so in about, give or take, 150 years. Because if it doesn't do it by that point, it will be almost certainly unsuccessful. Why? Because we're going to be able to travel to other worlds, and we're going to be able to go backwards and eventually forwards in time. That's going to end evil. Evil can't exist in that kind. It needs segregation. It needs complete control over masses of people, and, and it has to isolate them from everyone and everything else to do this. You have to be a prisoner of it. Well, that doesn't work so good when you've got, you know, wormholes taking people all over the place. So you can see there's a certain point where evil loses, and you can move faster with wormholes, faster with with artificial intelligent robots or beings or however you want to put it, and also enhanced development of human beings. All those things are coming if we can make it for 150 years and not be contaminated by and, and overcome by evil. If evil overcomes us, everything I'm telling you about won't happen. And the world will be, unfortunately, destroyed not by evil, but by, we'll say, part of God. Uh, God itself doesn't destroy worlds or solar systems, but beings that are closer to God by, than humans are sometimes have to do that to prevent evil from spreading. That's not a good outcome. And certainly nobody, I think, listening to the show tonight wants that to occur. But it is a possibility. I, I don't want you to think that that couldn't happen. I, I tend to be more optimistic, and I believe that it won't. All right, so uh, what are the other advantages, then, if we can develop some, we'll say, uh, proof that you can make a wormhole before the next 100 years. Well, we should be at that level in the next 30 years or so. How do I know that? Because I'm involved in doing it. <laughs> 
I guess that's a good enough reason, right? And I know exactly what we're going to be doing or what we are already doing. And from that standpoint, that will change a lot of things. That doesn't mean that we're going to build any wormholes, I, I don't think. Uh, not in this lifetime. But the point is that we will present the way to do it. And uh, it will all be mathematically correct, I believe, so that uh, it can be checked on to a certain level. Proving? That's a different story. Maybe in that 30-year time, it could be proven as well. Uh, we're just looking the next, like, five years, and so we can't only have time to prove. We can present what are called mini-proofs, or what many people call uh, the, the possibility of there being a proof. But nothing that is going to be a real mathematical proof, because those are just a lifelong type of activity. I do believe some people will take that up who are true mathematicians. Now, it's not going to be me. I can teach the mathematician of the concepts and help them to understand some things. I can read their formula, make sure it's pretty well accurate. But I'm certainly not going to sit down for weeks, months, years writing out formula. That's just not what I'm here for. But And I appreciate those people who are into that. And we're still, we actually are searching for and looking for people who can do that. And we've come up with some names and people in recent times, but we haven't actually settled on someone yet. And so in, and we have been in contact with people who have been helping us in that way, but not not full-time. We need someone who's like full-time, who's working on a day and night almost, just to get to where we need. Now, what does that do in terms of changing things? Well, if we're moderately successful before we move on to the next dimension, if we're moderate, moderately successful, which I think will be better than that, but let's call it moderation, uh, the, the result will be certainly within 30 years. We should be able to see an improvement in people understanding how to uh, uh, correct uh, and make a uh, wormhole and also where to look for the ones that may or that do exist and how to use them properly. And so all these things can be done within the time that we're working. But I think well past that time, once we get given the push, so to speak, I think that will make things easier and go faster overall. Of course, we won't be here. I won't be here to, during that period. But after the 30s. But you know, the point is, there's no need to be here because this is an activity that will still take a significantly long period of time. And, you know, you can come back to this world and probably finish, and the other thing won't be done yet. So that's another possibility. How come people don't understand all the stuff about wormholes? Well, because... Um, number one, Einstein never completed his work about him. Uh, number two, the people that took up his work got lost in uh, uh, particle physics, dealing with particles mostly from the fourth etheric subworld, and they just, that's all they do. You know, it's like, you know, I, I, I'm on number 792, 
And here it is. It's another particle that does this or that. Uh, these particles, in many cases, are just aberrations of a bigger process. And they don't, the people think that this is the nature of the universe based upon these relatively insignificant particles. Uh, because they think that that's what the universe is made out of, is these subatomic particles. And, and fields of force that they produce as well. And all they really are is nothing more than a, than a, a sidebar of the etheric world. They're not even high enough in the etheric world to, to even gain an understanding of the change in the quantum constant. So when they do these particles, they seem to be moving backwards or forwards in time and all kinds of other stuff. That's what happens you notice on the quantum constant. And everything gets out of kilter, and you can't really understand your own work. So that's, and then you make predictions that are almost invariably wrong about how things are going to actually interact together. You, you may be totally right about you're going to find that particle, almost like it'll create itself if you really look for it hard enough. In some cases, that's true. Uh, and the result is that people are getting a lot done with producing nothing, really. <laughs> They're getting a lot done. And uh, it's unfortunate because uh, we just don't need thousands of more particles that don't explain how the universe works and that don't really explain even how they work. <laughs> so we would have uh, no more better information than we do we did a hundred years ago about these things. That's how weird it is. It's a kind of a strange thing. Okay, so since the quantum constant is such a critical element in all of the physics that I'm talking about, one of the problems in trying to understand the, the quantum constant is, to begin with, the four etheric subworld uh, changes because the quantum constant grows in each sub subworld. And so you have in itself a quandary because even before you get outside of the dimension we're in, people are amazingly mixed up and confused about what's real in astrophysics and what's real in physics and what's real in everything else that people today research in our scientists. And it also affects chemistry and the elements in chemistry. Right now, the number of elements we know about is less than half of the number of elements that we have to learn about. <laughs> wow, what? Yeah, there are a whole bunch of elements we don't know anything about. Some of them we're fine, going to find out like this year, which is great, because it's in the corona of the sun and <laughs> we should be able to see it. They only exist under extreme pressures and energies that we can't produce in the laboratory. So you got to go out to the sun to check on it, and you're going to say, oh, well, look at that. There's all these different elements we didn't know about. I know. You're going to say, well, <clears throat> didn't they predict that in Star Trek and everything? Yeah. yeah they use these these elements that, <laughs> that they fantasize could exist, but now that they, they're going to find some of them in the near future, very near future. So what does it mean, then, if you have elements, right, that are way, on, in the periodic table, way above where the present elements are? 
Some of them are not necessarily uh, radioactive. Some of them are only can only be kept in a purely plasma state. Most of them have to be in some type of uh, high level of uh, force, usually created by extreme gravity effects, and also a kind of heat different than what we consider to be normal heat in terms of temperature. The kind of heat we're talking about is the heat that's created by superplasma and also is in a state of continual movement. Um, it's hard for us to understand it because most of the time when you experience heat, it's moving away from the cell, which means it's dispersing. This heat moves towards itself. So you have a whole different science of physics to try to understand. How do we know that's true? Because we've already discovered some parts of it in the sun's, sun's corona. And so basically it's it's in there. But we just don't understand what I just said. I mean, people, they, they can measure that's what's happening, but they don't understand how it's happening. How is it something can be as hot as a million to three million degrees Fahrenheit, okay, that doesn't just move out, away? <laughs> and is it gravity that's holding it there? Because the sun does have enormous gravity. But when you calculate the gravity of the sun, uh, it's, it's not enough to even come close to holding it there. It doesn't, not even, not even in the same ballpark. So what is it? Well, once the element is made, it creates its own effect. And that's the thing we don't understand. When you have a new element, you have to look at what the qualities of that element are, the properties of it. And if the properties of that element are to not dissipate over time space from heat, then you have a new type of energy source that's way more powerful than anything we're, we're used to. And that can do, you can make all kinds of crazy things out of, crazy by our standards. And you can do amazing things with. But they're illogical because they don't follow the principles that we think are true about the physics of the more cold world that we <laughs> part of space. And so it just uh, confuses the heck out of people. And it is confusing scientists right now. They're, they're really goofed up about it. Okay, so how does that affect anything? Well, once you got new elements, good news, the construction of uh, wormholes becomes much easier because you can use this new type of energy in a plasma state to build wormholes. Oh, oh, there it is. Okay. And some people are saying, I think he's been moving in this direction for a couple of weeks now. That's right. So you can actually use this. And it's right there in front of us. Every time we look at the sun, it's right there. And if we use those elements correctly, we can construct wormholes that will be fixed and be able to withstand time distortions, which, believe it or not, time distortions are the result of what we call entropy. And so once you build a wormhole in which there is zero entropy, because that's what happens with these new elements, uh, the zero entropy 
factor changes the ability for for movement through time space to a logical and and, and a, a controllable uh, distance in time. So now you're really talking about real time travel, and that's what these wormholes will be able to do. They will be constructed out of elements that we are just learning about this year here on Earth. And it will become a fascination to watch this develop along with the science that we are doing, the people I work with. And the two together will allow us to build a permanent wormhole in the right location uh, and that will not be distorted by use through time and will not uh, trap somebody or cause a problem and is safe and won't cause distortions in time through its use. The real danger is if you get into a haphazard wormhole that doesn't isn't constructed out of the, these new elements, then the danger is that you could get thrown anywhere, you can actually be put back in a time-space continuum where you do some harm, and maybe even be thrown into the future, which would be even a worse circumstance. So, to eliminate that, wormholes are going to be regulated by the beings that are involved in building them. And that's already the case, but we just don't know about it in other parts of the universe. But we'll just be getting into that ourselves again about 100 years. And we'll be working on getting them much earlier because we will have these elements that we know about. And that will give us the material to be able to do this correctly. I find this very fascinating. I hope you do too, because to me, this is what we're really talking about as like a new kind of future. Uh, something that's going to really change things. It will eventually drive evil off of Earth. Evil can only work in a world when this technology, this understanding of things is missing. Once it's embedded in place and people in general have a kind of understanding about it and it's in use, evil's finished for that world. They, they have to leave because there's nothing they can do. They, have, they will lose control <clears throat> over the physical world, which is what they have to be able to control from their very low position in the astral. And so from, from that A-sphere, it's called, they will find themselves getting trapped, and instead of staying there, they will just leave altogether. That doesn't mean they're going to leave our whole galaxy. they probably find some other world to flip to. <clears throat> but the whole plan could, over time, be a model for defeating evil. So all of a sudden, this wormhole thing could be a way to drive evil out of an entire galaxy and eventually out of our universe. Possibly. Wow. So this is this is more than just any old idea that has great promise, a whole bunch of great promise. I'm excited about it. And it means to me uh, there's there's something good on the horizon, literally. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you could say, well, are you talking about the event horizon? Yeah, I kind of am. It's sort of a play on words. But yeah, that's right. What we're going to have is a, a stable event horizon that allows us to travel effectively uh, from one place to another and from one time to another. Now, when you get to the mental world, which I'm going to cover after our break, things do change. Then we're going to be talking about, I'll give you a minute's worth here, then we're going to be talking about how do you, how do you travel, okay, if you, if you want to travel to a point where you can reach anywhere in the universe, anywhere, that's all the dimensions of the universe, and how do you make that happen? Uh, and the answer is you can only go so far with this idea because you, you eventually reach further than the very sense of elements and the things that we're used to seeing. And particularly when you get to spiritual plane, that's true. You know, uh, the, all the stuff I'm talking about kind of goes away, breaks down, because you don't really have anything like what we're talking about there. But it's good for uh, at least into the intuitional world. The Buddhic world, it could be, it still has a significant value. And that's what we'll be getting into in discussing the future development of more advanced wormholes coming from a better understanding of some of the quantum physics involved and the ability to work in much higher uh, quantum physics aspects where we're talking about shifting thousand times, ten thousand, million times from where we are. And that's a way that's such a big difference that uh, I've mentioned on many other shows, but this today will have some pr more practical uh, sides to it. Well we're, we're, we need to go to a break and when we come back, I'm going to go into the next part about all this other way out there stuff. We'll be back in about two and a half minutes from right now. Hun, what book are you reading? It's a novel, kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general. Kind of a novel? What do you mean? Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters. Some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down. How come the title is Afterlife Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained. But how can anyone write about or know that? Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hun, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower. M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R. Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com or 480-966-3132. That's 480-966-3132. Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like, why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. 
I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the whys allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book, Life's Hidden Meaning. This one book contains more answers, including the whys, than all other sources I've read or heard. It's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered. More importantly, I have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true. I hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding. The name of this wonderful book is, again, Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's hidden meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart. Well, we're back. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Now we get to the I, I guess I call it more fun part for me, but I, I hope I don't lose you guys. Okay, so, but this is going to be far out there, as they say. All right. So we in the first part we were dealing with some practical issues of wormhole use in the next century or so. Makes sense. Stuff I said you probably followed fairly well, but now we're talking. I'm talking about going beyond the three subplanes of the astral world and going all the way to the atomic level, very highest level, the astral level, where time space is dilated by 24 times. That's only the beginning of our physics changes, though. Because what happens when you get into that sort of change is that you're no longer really just discussing going back in Earth's history. I mean, granted, for a lot of people, they could spend lifetimes doing that and probably enjoy themselves and say, wow, this is great. What a way to learn about Earth. And then, but when you're getting into the, we'll call it, beyond just the Akashic element, because you're really taking this out of the Akasha now. You're taking it into the real existence of time and space uh, at, the, at the atomic level of the astral world. You know. uh, you, you're People who travel are not going to be just traveling to Earth. They're going to be going great distances in literally no time at all. Now, when I talk about distances, I'm talking about from one galaxy to another galaxy, um, possibly in terms of our space here, time space here. And also, they'll be traveling through the astral dimensions of those galaxies. And they'll be traveling at uh, incredible rates of speed by what we call speed. Because we, it isn't really the speed of light we're, we're concerned about anymore. It's about the ability to change space-time into light itself. So when you travel through a quote-unquote wormhole at the speed of, of atomic-level astral light, you actually aren't in the Akashic experience because you're not, you're not dealing with Earth anymore. 
you're traveling at, through a spectrum of time-space in which you can reach as far as that astral dimension goes, uh, the singular distance uh, in no time at all that the wormhole has two openings in. So what does that mean? Well, if you you still have to construct a wormhole, but you're really constructing it out of light. You're not constructing it out of elements like we talked about earlier. And as you construct it out of light, one side of the light, okay, is uh, at let's let's say one side is in a astral galaxy that is uh, a billion light years away, and the other side may be uh, a couple light years from where we are, from Earth. So you go in. And you get to the other side in virtually zero time. Now, it's hard for us to picture this because that's a, you know, we're talking about another dimensional travel. But it means that you don't experience time in your travel between two points when you travel at the astral level and you're joining time-space in a way that allows you to change any point in time and any point in space that you want to go to that is equivalent to the time-space of the top of the astral world. And you say to yourself, well, what does that mean? The quantum constant is going to change approximately 24 times from you know, where we are. But something else is happening that's considerably different. And that is that you're traveling at a rate of time in which time ceases to exist. So you don't, it doesn't take you any time, any time to get to the other place, wherever that might be, as long as the other place is at the same level. Dropping out of that, now you're could be back to what we think is the etheric physical time. But you don't experience that until after you get there. And it really means that you could go a million light years in no time at all. And you can go backwards or forwards in time by the same proportional difference. So what does that mean? That means... You could go, if it's a million light years, you, you could go backwards in time well over a million years. And you could go forward in time the same way. That is a little bit hard for people to grasp. I don't. But that means if you wanted to, you couldn't just travel back to a hundred years in the past you could go back uh, to the time of the early Stone Ages. And way past that, you can, let's say you want to go really, really back. Well, now you can go back to a time bef before recorded history as we know it today when there was another civilization called the Atlantean Civilization. 
on Earth. And you can go visit them. Oh, you could do that? Yeah, you could go to other planets where the similar kind of civilizations might exist. And then you say, well, wait a second, what kind of animals and things are around? Well, they're pretty strange compared to what they are today because we already have examples of them. You know, like the woolly mammoth, that kind of stuff. Uh, so you, you have you have a lot of strange possibilities. Although the woolly woolly mammoth probably goes back another even million years before that, but but certainly a mastodon doesn't, and those those were around for sure. See, you you could start going very deep into the past, but that's just the beginning, and it's how it's from where you start in terms of your construction and movement through time space that you end up. Now, you can say, well, okay, that's just the astral world. What if you can get to the mental world? You're talking about the mental world. Like, the, What's that like? Well, now that's even a bigger jaunt. Because the mental world, the time dilation goes from this 24 to the absolute is 1,056 times. Wow. 1,056 times. What, what does that mean? Well, that would work out to uh, possibly hundreds, very likely, it would be many hundreds of millions of years into the future or the past, as well as you can travel the same distance in terms of the size of the universe, because you're no longer, we are way beyond the distance of the physical universe. But we're talking about the mental part of the universe. You could travel from one side to the other of the mental universe in no time at all. That's a big place. And there's multiple dimensions that are added in this whole situation. So now we're talking about some kind of super wormhole that is literally, in some respects, it's like going through, which is hard to do, through the event horizon of a star and moving dimensionally. Except the problem with that is you can't do that without having all the elements in your body destroyed. But you can do it if you create, or you find one created, wormhole. So wormholes become like little highways that you can go places in that are unbelievable places. And you can travel in these dimensions that are much greater than where we are. Remember, these are added dimensions to these places with incredibly complex, incredible complexity that leads to vast amounts of time travel back and forth, as well as distance travel by our standards of distance from one side to the other in no time at all. Time stops. You don't experience any time to travel at a thousand times greater the size of uh, what we think is the size of our universe. Wow, that's pretty remarkable. And why do wormholes do this? Why do they? Because they are the construction of light itself from the, its components of being broken apart 
by time, space, and energy. We're taking the energy and raising it to a new standard using plasmas and other kinds of energies that will even be on what are in the coronavirus sun. And we're using that for quote-unquote our energy. At the same time, <clears throat> we are constructing this this thing, <laughs> I'll call it that, that is uh, uh, able to traverse due to the fact that you are going at a speed of light in which no time exists because light is joined with energy, joined with the energy, and it's joined all the space together. You're not really traveling. What you're really doing is by joining all the space together, it's like walking across the street. And you're there, wherever you want to be. How do you control it? You're going to have to control it with your own consciousness. You can't do it with the machine. Wow. So people have to be darn conscious to do that. Because it's not a mechanism of a machine type. Because machine would be mostly of an energy model. And there's no, there's no, there's no energy that is separated from light. All the energy in the wormhole is enlightened. It exists. Remember, it's all that enlightened stuff that's composing. But it, uh, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have a separateness to it. Wow. Okay, so when we get to this mental point, some other things start to change for us. Besides the fact we can move across the mental dimension in no time at all, and we can create concepts in no time at all. Uh, another great thing that can happen is you're way beyond the scope of where evil exists almost everywhere in the present galaxy we're in and in most other galaxies. There's a couple places that you would have to be very careful about because they are have been overtaken by evil. That's a whole, uh, if I have time, I'll talk about that. But, but for right now, other than that exception, a couple of galaxies, give or take, it's not a big deal. Right? Uh, but that's galaxies in the physical dimension. So let's not worry about it. We're talking right now the mental. And so in the mental dimension, you're really traveling through what we would consider to be the highest type of concepts that anybody can have. And those concepts have to be completely understood and a person has to be able to hold them together along with a whole vast other array to be able to enter and move through the maniacic uh, wormhole. But once you do, holy, you're on your way. Now, some people are going to say, well, can you do this with a lot of other people? And the answer is not quite. You could sequentially leave, so to speak, but each being has to have their own concepts together, and they have to function somewhat 
independent of the other people. They can all focus together and they can stay together. But they can't do it collectively together because they can't join their minds together as one until they reach the next dimension. But the interesting part about this is they could even travel together. They just won't truly have the full experience that could be had if they were sharing their minds together. And to do that, you have to reach the intuitional world, which we'll talk about. But so once you get to this miniastic realm and you can travel in this way, you literally could go back to the beginnings of life on Earth and other planets similar. You could look at planets that don't have anything similar of life, but have made some, some form of life on them than Earth. Planets that are gaseous, giants, and other things that have other kinds of beings that actually exist there, but they're not like human beings. And so we have just an array of possible places to go and visit and have an amazing experience with. And the idea that you can travel through time to such vast levels is of great benefit. Because you literally can see the beginning and ending of some worlds, depending upon what's going to happen. And you can even tell the worlds that evil may destroy or take over. And you can also see the worlds that are highly successful as a model. So your whole whole conceptual framework changes by the experience of a super wormhole, we'll call it, that gives you this incredible experience. And to reach this experience, a person has to raise their consciousness so they can reach the what is called the atomic level of the uh, mental world. And that's 1,056 times, if you can get to the very highest part of it, uh, at the atomic level. 1,056 times greater than what it is here. Wow. Now we're talking about a huge difference in terms of everything. <laughs> and in terms of experience of life and worlds and and beings like this, probably, if we live, if we're here long enough, they're probably a, a couple thousand years ahead of where Earth is today, assuming Earth survives. And they have to be really the most advanced beings on that particular world, too. That would be the very earliest time, I think, something like this could be done here in this kind of world. And for the most part, these worlds don't, they don't usually do it to the next round of their development or beyond where Earth is anyway. And sometimes that would be tens of thousands of years if you go to the last round and stuff. So we, we could do amazing things and be part of this experience. Now, for a lot of people, this sounds like really heavy-duty science fiction. But more of this is based upon the new coming physics than it is based upon fiction. The fictional part, you've already been watching 
on movies and television for probably 60 years or more. So it isn't like we haven't been fictionally living through this. It's just that the reality of it is considerably different because it has such a profound effect on everything. And it's way different than what's been projected in the fictional renditions. It's actually far more out there than most of the fictional parts are. All right, so let's say that we really, really advance, and we're going to be talking now about the intuitional world. Well, now, a whole bunch of people can conceive at the same time. And in their conceptions, if they use their minds together, <clears throat> they can travel across the intuitional universe, which is vastly larger than the monastic. You say, well, how big is it? Well, it's real big. Because you've added another dimension, just adding another dimension. You know, each one of these dimensions is a whole big deal, right? But also, the in relative terms of uh, just the size dimensionally of the intuition or buddhic dimension, it's really, really big in comparison. Yet you can go from one side of it to the other in no time at all, just using the same principles, the same ideas. But then you could go backwards in time before our whole galaxy, this galaxy, even existed. Or you could go forward in time by the same amount. We're talking about a huge difference. We're talking like five billion years in either direction, as far as time is concerned. That's a pretty big deal. And you're getting closer to the creator. You're starting to experience some of what the creator is like, mostly in terms of knowledge. It's, it's like you, you know everything there is that you can know, and you're able to apply that knowledge in ways that are the maximum levels that reach what is called as the state of booty. All knowledge needed to understand all things through knowledge. And you can say, well, where do you go from there? I know that a lot of people think knowledge is like everything. It's like, oh, my God, I just have knowledge about everything like you're talking about. You, just, you know everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not the same as the spiritual world because that's the next jump. What happens when you get there and you want to still travel? All right, well, now you're traveling through a universe that's beyond your, you know, much bigger than the Buddhic universe. Why? Because you're combining all three parts of God's mind together. It's, you're joining all of the spirits in the universe with all of what we consider to be knowledge converted into a something greater than knowledge, which has to do with the unity of energy with spirit, joined in perfect unison together. You say, well, what's that? What is it? A special ratio. We call it two to one, but there's also there's some other things. But it's perfect 
which it only you only get to that even close to that at the top of the intuitional world, only at the top. But now you've got to go into this spiritual world where you start experiencing God in some direct fashions. What is that? Well, first of all, you have reached the speed of light by our standards uh, squared. But the more important element here is that you're you're in a time space in which the mind of God is fully present if you can reach the atomic level. So now you experience a the, the lowest part, the third part of God, in every aspect, everywhere in our universe, in one way. And you say, wow, that's incredible. Because now you have the experience for the first time of being a part of your own creator. You've earned that, so to speak, by going back in time, and you actually will be able to experience from that perspective the entire construction of the universe from the very lowest levels up to that point. And you'll say, wow, this is pretty amazing. Because you'll be able to experience all elements of how the universe was created, at least in terms of what we call time-space. Time-space are really gone because they're joined. Everything is like, it's hard to even comprehend what we're talking about because it's like, whoa. Because it takes no time to do anything. You can be anywhere and everywhere all at the same time. So if you if you want to be at the very beginning of the existence of the universe and where you are at the very end of the existence of the universe, you can actually do that at the same time. Now, one thing you can't do, which is the, when you get to, mon to the monadic dimension beyond the spiritual one, is you can't experience the entire universe as God is working in it. And in order to do that, you have to reach the top of the monadic universe, monadic dimension. And when you get there, now you start to realize all of the ways that God has thought about to create our universe. That's sometimes referred to as the eighth level of initiation. It's like a great thing. You're, you're, you're an ascended monad, almost an ascended monad. You can experience God in all aspects. But the experience of God is not the same as being God, okay? Not, you can't be God yet, all right? But God says that's not enough. You can be me. I'll let you be me. So, you go on to the next level, okay? And when you get to the next level, which is beyond, you know, anything. Now you can be God and you can create the universe for yourself, past, present, and future. For yourself. And it doesn't have to be the universe that God has already created, by the way. It can be any way you choose it to, to be. God grows from that, by the way. God says, yeah, whatever you do, I'll uh, I'll accept it as part of me. So you're contributing to God's growth while you're growing. 
Wow. And all of this is like, we're still talking about effectively the same principles involved in traveling through a wormhole. So it doesn't make sense anymore to talk about wormholes because we're talking about the entire universe is your wormhole. <laughs> yeah. And that's time and space, so that means all time is involved. And space is confined to wherever you choose it to be because you're everywhere at the same time. So it's a real uh, amazing kind of understanding where we're moving in terms of what was effectively a development of using time space to eventually becoming all of time space and being the creator yourself. Now, the creator itself still contributes to God. God doesn't mind. Create all you like. I like it. Create more and different. That's good. So the same principles that we were using to construct wormholes now apply to this other thing that I can't, I don't know if there's a word for it. <laughs> I don't think there is, but not at least in our vernacular, you know, in our vocabulary. I don't think we have one. But it's pretty interesting. All right, so let's bring it back down because I, I just, I, I took you in a very, very fast order to how this technology eventually ends up being an experience of being God without interfering with God. I mean, God says, this is the way I want it to be. So just do whatever you want. Go for it. So we could say that eventually there will be as many universes created in this multidimensional aspect as there are beings in it. Over time, and over time, as they grow in consciousness, so that's a whole other thing. And in thought, wow, what a, what a great idea in itself. <clears throat> okay, it's still God is still growing at the total of all the others' totals. So God is growing exponentially in relationship to the beings that are all doing this. But that's fine; those beings are doing their thing, and God is growing from it. Everything causes growth in God, and that's God's plan. So the plan of God is the design that I just described for you, in my opinion, which I can somewhat prove somewhat mathematically as well. And it's all based upon the idea of sudden changes that take place from what is called quantum changes. And it's, it's the same thing that's happening to God itself. If you think about what I just described at the very highest level, God is continuously in a quantum physical state of growth by all these beings that are doing this everywhere that have reached that level. And eventually all beings will reach that level. So you can see how this is an amazing system. If you want to grow by your own creations, then you have to allow those creations complete freedom to grow. And that's what this system does. It allows them to do what they want to do, whatever that is. Sometimes they do very bad things. You know, they become evil. But God says, yeah, you gotta, you got to live with that too, because that's part of being free. And so it's all in there. Now, evil cannot get <clears throat> beyond the, the three lowest subplanes 
the three lowest, yeah, subplanes of the uh, mental world. Because, well, actually, they're subsubplanes. Uh, uh, three lowest subsubplanes would be the best, best way to describe it, of the mental world. And that's because uh, the highest part of the mental world, too. That's because the conceptual framework for evil blocks it from being able to develop beyond that point. And so evil can only use the most rudimentary concepts in its thinking. Those rudimentary concepts limit its ability to create larger ones. So the more they think in evil concepts, the less they can think in larger concepts. It's self-limiting in the process. I find that fascinating. So. Okay, so we go come back <laughs> to what the show is about, more or less. And okay, so we want to now get to practical use of wormholes at a level that we can maybe get to within hundreds of years from now or so. How are we going to manage? Well, the first thing is we have to understand the changes in physics. If we're going to build the most rudimentary forms of wormholes, or at least use wormholes that are already built but are made the way I'm talking about, we have to understand what these super elements are and how they can be used in a stable way to construct wormholes of the nature that will allow us to travel at least, at least into the astral world, if not higher. And so this gives us a whole different perspective of what our future could be like. Because as soon as we start contributing those elements and building ourselves or modifying existing ones, if they, we can find them, that haven't been designed yet this way, we'll be able from that point to reach fairly distant past parts, but not that far back. Not back. We're not going to be running around with dinosaurs probably yet. But maybe. Maybe we'll get back and forth. But certainly back billions of years. And we can see a lot of what our real history was like. Why is that so important? I mean, we don't even know about it. it this Atlantis thing, if, you know. Yeah, they found the two continents, Lemuria and Lannister, underneath other continents right now. But the point is that. And they can show you, it could be seen in, you know, in, in pictorial form, what they look like today. They're in the mantle and where they were at some point in time. And they know when they started to submerge below the crust of the earth. All that's understood and actually is part of science. today. But let's say that you want to go back to a time when those places did exist. In other words, okay, I want to go back to Lemuria several million years ago. And I, then I do get to see a woolly mammoth. And I get to run around and watch the Lemurians do their thing. Right. All right. That's a race of beings that were fairly primitive by our standards today. They're also fairly big. Uh, what can you do by going there if you're using this technology I'm talking about, and you want to visit there. Well, one of the things you, you may really want to gain is a better understanding of the things that 
the humans made mistakes about it. These were still humans, by the way. Uh, I know it's hard to describe a Lemurian as a human being, but they were, by technical standards, human. There was an earlier race of humans. And yeah, they weren't, uh, they weren't like we are, but they were still human. By examining them, we'll be able to solve problems in ourselves and in our world in and around this time period better because we can take a step back and see the problems as they start to develop and the things that weren't adequately dealt with or handled by earlier beings that were human beings and how that played on the eventual development of the humans of today. We'll also see how evil really developed on Earth. And evil really did not become its own kind of place and beings together. There was there were a few evil beings around even millions ago, millions of years ago. But not, they didn't have a they didn't have their own little you know, nice evil place to live in in the lower astral world and all this other stuff. They didn't have anything like that. But the evil hierarchy that came about around 850,000 years ago. So we could see that developing. That is a grand experience for us to learn about. And all the mistakes that were made for hundreds of thousands of years before that, that brought that on, including beings from other worlds, especially our neighbor, Venus. Everybody thinks, well, Venus doesn't exist. It's just a big, hot, hell later, degrees of sulfur and sulfur dioxide and terrible things like that. That's the physical world today. Actually, when Venus was in physical form, uh, Earth was uh, very primitive and didn't have any humans on it to begin with, for the most part. And they've been in, a, in a, what is known as a pralala period for literally many millions of years. So the beings that came eventually from Venus that screwed things up are really coming from their mental world. Isn't that weird? And they took physical form, some of them did. Uh, but, you know, uh, we don't know about that. But we could see it if we went back to that time. It would be obvious. And we would be able to say, hey, you guys are from Earth. Oh, yeah, you're time traveling, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I went, I went, came here to see what's going on. Well, we got it all figured out. We're just going to teach everybody all the information that they need to know, and they'll be much better for it. And you're going to say, no, you did that already, and you really screwed it up. Oh, well, how do you know that? Because I'm still in the physical world, and I'm traveling. <laughs> oh. Yeah, see, they can't, they don't they don't have that perspective because they can't do it for the mental world the way I'm talking about yet. They haven't reached that point of development, and they've lost the ability to do it from the astral and the physical world. They've got nothing. So both of those worlds are no longer where any beings could be doing anything that would be of value. Uh, so and with great lament, they now think that they made great mistakes. Of course. Always an afterthought. Well, I could have done that. All right, so we can gain tremendous understanding by even the the lesser amount 
of wormhole travel that's possible in the next 100, 200 years, 300 years, something like that. We really can reach these potentials. And maybe even within, I don't know, I don't, I don't, uh, within a hundred years, I don't think we're going to be able to get very far back to know much. But we'll certainly discover some things in that process. As far as going into the future, that's a whole other thing because you got to, going into the future, you really need to get to the top of the astral world and we're not going to be able to function in that respect for some time. But I do think, I do think that, so that could be like a thousand years from now, give you time forward, time, I don't know for sure. Uh, it depends on how successful the people I work with are. Isn't it amazing that, that the people I'm working with, if they're very successful, this whole thing can get shortened. If we aren't, or the dark side puts us out of business, so to speak, uh, hey, then it could be much longer. Because we've got most of the answers for all this stuff. It's just putting it in a way that I can teach it to people so they won't go, huh? And think maybe I'm crazy or something. And some of it is because you got to, if it's scientists who are really going off the beaten path, to say the least right now, most of them don't believe in God, I think. Um, I think it's a majority. So you, you get a, a, the issue here now is, how do you reach those people? If you're going to reach them, their speak, their language is math. So I'm willing to do it with some assistance, of course. Like I said, I'm going to spend my lifetime working with formula. I, 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 I just don't, that's not my thing. I don't like it. And I'm not really great at it. I'm good enough to probably do it if I had to, but I would never do that. That's not what I'm here for. And there are very good people that could do this. It's just managing to reach them and for us to work together long enough to, for that to happen. And it's so fascinating. So we do have an opportunity. And I, 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 might, I don't want you to think that we're the only answer. I'm just telling you that certainly I can see us being an answer. I really can't. Because we're that far ahead in this whole situation. Now, you can say, well, how are you going to, you're talking about scientists, so that could take centuries if those people ever come around. Well, we're not just aiming at that. We're aiming at everybody. We're trying to create things that will inform and help people to understand at a level they may be able to. Now, they're not going to go out and be building, be building a wormhole right away, but maybe their children will, or maybe somebody else they know. So we're trying to reach the general public, and we have a definite way of doing that. So it isn't like we're just hiding underneath something and just saying, well, we'll do this for a few years, and hopefully something will come out. We're really looking at this as a plan to reach large numbers of people. I realize that most of them aren't going to be coming in and saying, hey, yeah, I, want to, I want to change the world. I want to, let's, let's do a wormhole together. No, but there'll be a few. And we don't we don't expect any more than that, but that's okay. And some of them won't necessarily be scientists. Uh, but the key is that people need to be thinking in ways that are radically different than even science fiction presently presents. 
in order to gain an understanding of what the universe is like. Someday, the multidimensional universe in which it changes quantum constants by sudden no time at all changes by joining time and space, the results will be phenomenal someday from that combined understanding and effect on this world. It could be soon or it could be well past the time I will, won't be here and the others with me will, will be here for this lifetime. But regardless, we're doing everything we can to try to shorten it because we understand that if we're successful, even on the lowest of the levels that I have talked about, the results could be tremendous in terms of preventing evil from spreading and in getting rid of some of the ugly things that human beings do to each other. Uh, and, you know, it, it could eliminate things like socialism and communism from the vernacular. People will just say, oh, yeah, that was when people were really nuts back in 2020. <laughs> Uh, because all that stuff is crazy, but it's it's based upon the inability, the inability for people to be conscious enough to see the ugliness of it and the horribleness of it. And even though there were millions of people that died to try to change that, it doesn't change us today. Because, unfortunately, history doesn't mean much unless you understand the concepts behind why, why things happened the way they did. And that's where this whole thing about wormholes could help in that. So, hopefully, we're going to get done. Now, uh, let me tell you about some practical things that you may find interesting. And that is that we... Uh, are working within a plan, and the plan is part of not the human kingdom. Uh, you say, well, how do you work in a plan if it's not in the human kingdom? Well, it just so happens that we have some assistance from a kingdom that's not human. Okay? And some people call it the spiritual hierarchy. Uh, their plan has been modified in the last uh, 60, 70 years. What did they do to modify it? Well, they realized that you got to have, you got to use power when you deal with evil. Because they thought power was a bad thing up till that time. And they condemned the use of power when that was the only way to defeat evil. They didn't realize it, I guess, is the way to put it. Put it. And so they left it out of their plan, even though it should have been in the plan for a million years, but it wasn't. They kept leaving it out. And so the result is that uh, most of the bad things that have happened happened because power was not understood, and the use of power was never actually taught correctly, and it was always assumed to be a bad thing. So that only left the dark side using power. And then they would prove what everybody's misnomer was. 
So everybody said, oh, power is bad. And look who does all the power. It's the dark side, see? <laughs> so, kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. But power is important because power is the ability to change energy within time space. You can't create power if you don't have that ability. And guess what a wormhole is? It's an instrument that does use power. <laughs> and until you understand that that's what you're doing, you can't have anything to do with wormholes because you won't know what the heck they are. Because you have a definition of power that you think only evil, evil beings have, and they actually can't create a wormhole themselves. So, at least not one that we'll call a wormhole fight. So, the interesting thing about this is that the very thing that solves the equation until 1947, this is amazing, was by this spiritual hierarchy condemned like, eh, we're not going to do that. We'll just let the world be taken over by evil and we're not going to use wormholes for anything and we're not going to do anything except sit here and get wiped out and lose millions and millions and millions and billions of people in the process. Holy moly! How goofy is that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you'd say, well, 47? That wasn't very long ago. I mean, just that's when they came to this conclusion? Like, what? Yeah. I know. That's like, that's the truth. That's the truth. So they put it in the plan. And when they put it in the plan, that's when they began to realize that everything I just taught tonight about wormholes was true and could be used in the ways that I described. They're still a little confused about really how to do it, but I think that that will work itself out because we're all kind of working on it together, so to speak, at this point. But without the power side, <laughs> you can't do anything. All of it becomes nutty. And you, there's no, there's no, the dark side always wins. Well, that's a bad idea. And planets get destroyed left and right with that concept. Okay, so now we understand the power is a, is is not neutral. It's actually a positive thing, but it's only positive when you use it within a plan. Okay, what does that mean? If you take it outside of a plan, it moves towards darkness. The plan is consciousness. That's what the, another word for plan is consciousness, okay? Just think of it that way. So if you don't use power with consciousness, the results are very bad and you end up eventually supporting evil. So you can see from tonight's show, when I said with deliberate restrictions within the plan, you can change that to del with deliberate restrictions within the consciousness of those who construct and use wormholes. Got it? So you see how that fits in there very importantly. 
but uh, you know it's a little it's a little obscure and it's not easy to really get what the meaning is until you substitute for plan the word consciousness you say whoa okay so consciousness is the critical element to controlling power and if you don't have enough of it you're going to move towards the dark side and you never are going to be able to use a wormhole for anything you never be able to construct one you won't even be able to get in one because wormholes rely upon light and part of light is consciousness <laughs> there you are again yep it's right there unbelievable that's how it is. All right. So let's, I, I guess I got to just, I don't have that much time left. So let me tell you some other things here that are pretty critical to understand. Once you construct using power and using elements that are hidden from us presently, but they exist in the corona, the sun, and other places like it, you put all this we'll say, physics and chemistry, et cetera, together. And you end up with something that's really a, a, a bit more remarkable than even what I've described. Because not only are you traveling with and using light, but you're also traveling with these special elements that now have an important factor that is different from what their original design was. The design, you could say, is just waiting for us. We gotta go get it, okay. But eventually we have to learn how to take and make these elements work together and become a stationary structure rather than trapped at millions of degrees of Fahrenheit with enormous pressures coming from the sun. Or some star, <laughs> if we're talking about it in general. So, what is that construction method, and how do we reach that point of stability? Well, the uh, first part of it has to do with understanding, again, what I started with at the beginning of the show, that we have a condition in which there is no heat that is involved in the interplay of these elements. For what we call the, the dissipation of heat does not exist once these elements are correctly put together. So if you come up to, quote unquote, this wormhole, you don't experience super high temperatures. You don't experience heat at all. Instead, the uh, you, you, let's say you're coming up to observe it. You want to see what it is before you go in. Right? And you see what you're going to see are all the different elements that are glowing with their own type of light. And it will look like you won't see any physical thing. You'll just see all these different elements of light giving off light. That will be from the outside and if you look in it, the light seems to be moving back and forth uh, as the elements are in a stationary pattern of movement together. 
it's a, a very hard thing to understand because they're really remember time stops so they're they're actually they're actually moving but they're not going anywhere because time has stopped and to your visual sight though you would see see all the these fantastic what we would call them, colors of light that are doing an infinite dance together. That's what it would look like as you looked into the wormhole. Uh, it would be a uh, almost a sight of artistic beauty or something. I, 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 can, I can describe it from a physics viewpoint. But I don't know if I could, you know, make a picture of it. I don't know. I'm not sure I could. Maybe we'll try that and see if we could actually do it. But so that would be your experience. And let's say you enter it. Okay, now you enter it. Now what happens? Well, now your consciousness starts to interact with the light. And as your consciousness interacts with the light, as soon as you say, I want to go here, you're there. <laughs> okay. So you think it and you are at the same time. Because there is no time. It happens. And the light that you experience is the light of the thought you're using in your consciousness to go where you're going to. I know this sounds impossible. And literally two people can enter in to the same wormhole at what they would see, think is the same time. And they can go to different places. They can, I mean, it's, it's hard for us to even picture this whole thing because it's a little bit beyond our imagination. So you don't have to go to the, quote unquote, the end of the that part of the universe. You can stop anywhere you want. The other person can keep going wherever they want. and Together, you could even go up to a certain point, but then you just say, well, see you later. I, I got to go in here. Bang. You're out and you're done. And the, the perspective of the person experiencing this would be wonder. I, 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 it would be like, wow, what a way to travel. right? And this is another thing that you need to understand is that no part of your physicalness goes anywhere you become the light and when you get to the other side when you leave everything is reconstructed of what you consider to be your form but inside you are just composed of the light isn't that amazing well I think it is <laughs> maybe about way out there. It's the end of the show after all. I I, I got to throw it all out there because I find this stuff really amazing. All right. So this kind of experience now means that if we really think about, well, okay, let's say you have a really popular wormhole that's being used all day long or all well, There is no such thing as a day long, but they're used all the time. You have this light constantly, all these lights going through it, just uh, Everywhere, right? And beings literally popping out and going to worlds and doing things and coming back in. What a way to travel. And you don't have to have a spaceship because 
You could. I mean, theoretically, the whole spaceship could become light. It can go that way. But because uh, then that that's like your body, right? But you don't have to have one. You could literally not have one, and, and it would still do the same thing. Your body is like a spaceship, okay? And you're turning it in and turning it out. But if you feel more comfortable, say, well, yeah, I don't feel like doing it that way. Can I go into space? Sure, you can go into space. Yeah, it's, it's better if you feel that that's really what you want to do. I mean, for those who aren't so advanced, they probably would certainly use a spaceship. But nonetheless, the fascinating thing about this is that there are beings doing this all the time, and we're unaware of it. This is the fascinating part about this whole thing. I mean, I mean, this is or this is happening, but we're unaware of it. There's like a whole bunch of stuff going on out there we just don't have any clue about. And so time-space, as we understand it, is really the effect of separation. Once you start joining together the right elements with the right light, etc., there is no more of what we think of as the separation of time-space. So all the anomalous and crazy and difficult things we encounter are gone. You're literally godlike. Even at the lowest levels of this thing, when you just working at the lowest level of uh, wormhole travel. You're still more godlike than anything in comparison that is on a physical planet like Earth or something like that. This is, yeah. And you have the experience of God itself at that level. Now, granted, like I said earlier, it's much greater experience, let's face it, if you're in the spiritual world and doing this, or even beyond that, into the, you know, the monadic planes and so but but even here even here you get the experience at this level of being godlike and that's no small thing the thing i like about it is it is a convincing way to prove the existence of god without having to be at some super advanced level which human beings don't reach you got to be something beyond human to be there this is one way human beings can reach it. This is one way they could and will eventually experience it. And I think that is the single most important thing that you can get out of today's show. Well, we're out of time. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's flying by, even though we're saying you get as much time as you want, but... Unfortunately, we're not in the wormhole yet, so you can think about it, and I hope I didn't get people so far out there that they couldn't even listen to me. I hope they didn't think too too much of that. Well, we're out of time for now. Until next week, this has been Niles McFlower for Why Life Is.